Quantum Movie of the Year, the only podcast that has the science and the screaming to determine what the best movie is of any given year. This year, 2002. I'm your host, Mike Gravano. But before I introduce this week's panelists, know this, that this show is also a game in which points are awarded for well-made arguments, cogent thoughts about the film, jokes, and you know what? Anything else I gosh darn please feel like awarding. The winner will be my best friend for a week and have gloating rights. And I'm sorry to say, the winner of last week and my best friend died on the way back to his home planet and will not be returning this week. We miss you, T-Money. So, instead, we got a couple. It was going to be just a Mike and Taylor mess around. But you know what? I can do this. I grabbed a couple people on the streets. I don't know them. They don't know me. We'll see how well they know this movie or if they've seen it before. Put your hands together for Greg. I'm random person off the street, Greg, and I hope to God the movie you want to talk about is Morvan Collar. <gasps> oh, yeah. what a lucky week it is for you. Oh, sweet. Because I happen to watch this movie twice <laughs> just this week. Because we're not talking about Morvan Collar. We oh, need God. to talk about Morvan Collar, but you were never really here at all, Greg, so we're not going to. And <laughs> Ryan... Thanks, thanks, Mike, for having me. Mike, can I just uh, say, I don't know. People, I'm going to pull the curtain back a little bit. How do you keep your composure and host when just not, like, minutes before we started the show, we did a little special segment only for PayPigs, and it was so wonderful and mind-blowing and hilarious, and people really need to subscribe to it. Thoughtful. um, Mm -hmm. And, like, you have put your mind back in your head just to host, and I, I think that's so impressive. Be a goldfish, Ryan. Never a gold? Never a gold. Always it a was, fish. I think, I think a big part of what made the, the Pay Pig segment so good was just like, you could tell we had done the prep. <laughs> you know? Like, we had well, done we the put work. The we work came, in. We came with answers that made sense. And... Our hands, feet, and tongues were calloused because yeah. we do the hard work. Yeah. Remember and... that part in Lord of the Rings where he goes to the, the library and does all the research? That was us. We each went to our own library to do mm-hmm. research. Um, the one time we're allowed to do research. And so you can hear that over at patreon.com slash your pop filter. Now, Taylor's not here. Um, he won and then disappeared. And I would like to say that Greg and I had nothing to do with that disappearance. Oh. <laughs> Just gonna put that out on Main Street. uh, That uh, we had nothing to do with that. Honestly, I don't care what the forensic evidence says. I I wasn't there. And even though I keep saying over and over again, "fuck that little bitch," we didn't do anything. Well, we meant that that in a friendly way. I think that's proof because if you had done something, there's no way you would walk around saying "fuck that little bitch." Oh, Sharon Stone's gonna write a book about how she actually killed the people. No, no, that's insane. She's obviously just gonna basic instinct them. That's why I know OJ's innocent. If he had done it, he would not have written the best-selling book if I had done it. I know everything is a bestseller, but was that really a bestseller? Books don't sell a lot of product, Ryan. Uh So two go off the shelves. What a bestseller. Yeah. (laughs) Plus, that was probably one where like he uh, did the thing where he just had boxes and boxes. Some company owned by OJ. The juice bought them for himself. It's in the what 90- if I did it? I want to see. Before the 90s, uh, albums, before the soundscape system, they would just call a random 10 stores around the country and then be like, yeah, here I, uh, based on my gut, Janet Jackson sold a lot this week. And that's kind of what books Vogue? are currently like. They would not say that, though, Mike. 
specifically not Janet and En Vogue. Oh. Yeah. That's how like Green Day. Yeah, that's how why rap was not popular at all until it was extremely popular because they were selling millions of copies, but the people who owned the record stores were not reporting them. But Green Day was also not reported. It was always just like Engelbert Humperdinck. Always Engelbert the... and the Humperdinck. Tiny Tim has done it again. <laughs> uh that's not what we're here to talk about, but it is. You said something that jogged my memory is uh, Morvan Color. When he said Morvan Color, I killed a guy, <laughs> but no, I didn't. Let's just go party. Uh, Morvan Collar. And normally at this point, I ask what your relationship to the movie before this week was, but come on. It was fucking zero. Don't try to lie to me. Ryan, did you even like, were you even aware of what this was? Yeah, because the director is really famous. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, because we need to talk about Kevin, and you were never really here, right? And those are two Ratcatcher, and, and then Ratcatcher. So, it, oddly, this is her least famous movie, um, and the, there's a huge gap between Morvan Caller and uh, we need to talk about Kevin. But I do remember this movie as um, like a lot of train spotting heads were all about it. Uh, I think there's a lot of connections to the two books those movies are based on, the country that the movies take place in, obviously. But like the whole like cool factor this is like a cool movie that cool kids like uh, but i i mean i didn't know what the plot was the only thing i knew going in just from like the ether was thelma and louise ish mm. yeah i remember when you pitched it because you're kind of the reason we watched it i remember thinking it was like a road trip movie and now i guess reviewing it i can see there's elements of that but that's the if you're not trying to give anything away I guess that's how you would describe yeah, it. Yeah, and I, still, I would even, wouldn't even want to know that if I could know nothing. But I will say that I think we've said this a couple of times throughout this season. Um, I will say it definitively here. No movie of the 16 has benefited more from there being 16 movies than Mormon <laughs> Collar. I, I, I meant to look up the bracket to see what it beat on its way. Because it, was, mm. it, 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 it wasn't that we wanted to watch Mormon Collar. It was probably against such shit we did not yeah, want dude, to watch sometimes you get bounced in hard <laughs> yeah and then there's no way that it would have survived another round but uh to me you know not to give too much away but like to me there's no way it would have made it to the elite eight and it's a part of the reason why i'm so glad we're doing a sweet 16 because you know like you get to see this kind of shit that like isn't as big of a deal as it should be Right. Well, I mean, that's what's the, the 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 brutal cold system we've created. That's what's hard in the first round. If you haven't heard of something, you're going on rap, and if something yeah. has very little rap, and I mean, to be fair, to be the movie of the year, a lot of it is standing in society. You know, like you know, right. we we do go by that. Um, so I don't know. Well, I, well, I guess we'll get to its uh, how good its odds are later. Right. I do but, feel like we always have a couple of these per season, though, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think I can remember. I don't remember what it beat, Ryan, but I remember there was an element of, like, we are supposed to keep a couple spots open for yes. things that are potentially going to change our lives. And this is definitely one of those movies. Like, it's fun to talk about the movies that everybody saw. And honestly, those are the ones that have the inside track for our movie of the year. But this is the kind of thing where it's like, I would not have seen this otherwise. And mm -mm. I don't think I would have agreed to watch it otherwise. And it was a movie I got to see knowing, like, not literally nothing about, but 
But yeah, no, literally nothing. Literally about. nothing and about. <laughs> so every scene, I was like, I don't know what's going to happen next. Like, I I have no idea what happens next in this. And that experience is the most exciting part of doing this show. So like, it it is. This is. The, I think of movies like Morven Collar when I think of why I love doing this show. It's because I get to see things I never would have seen that literally change my like artistic life or you know ch- change my view of the world yeah you- i think the last time i knew so little about a movie that every scene just made me go oh yeah oh was parasite because i knew nothing except the yes. director so i knew even more about that than this because i knew the director and uh, the whole time just like huh you guys want to know it's a uh, route to the sweet 16 yes, yeah please. dude lay it on us so it, it's the 61st seed damn uh, out of 64 uh, first round, it comes up against the fourth seed. And I think this is just, this is so rough. It's Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And we're just not, like, that was part of the whole thing with the show in the beginning is, like, that's why we have a bracket. That's why we don't go directly from Letterboxd is yeah. we don't want to do a Harry Potter, Potter movie every year. No. The second round is a little more surprising to me. Uh, uh, 36th seed, Bend It Like Beckham. And that movie has such wow. a, uh, I don't know, it's just so much more well-known. And it's a really good movie. I don't know what happened here. I bet Hurricane Ryan came in and convinced Soft Boys Greg and Mike that this would be more interesting to do. Maybe, but that's what I that's what I think. I don't think you like crapped on I, the movie Ryan, yeah. but I do think that this has your hand on it. You know, like I think you kind of got us to to do this movie. I think you just what I remember is that you were like there's just going to be less way less to say about Bendit like Beckham. Yeah, high high floor low Beckham. ceiling for Bendit yeah. like Beckham, you know. Yeah. And then it uh, that was it. It then went on to lose to Battle Royale Ooh. in the Sweet 16. And then we were like, no, the Sweet 16 <laughs> is not over. We're doing them all. Do them all. <laughs> because we will actually have a round and then be like, no. <laughs> well, now we will. <laughs> like Terrifying precedent was set. But this, you know, while we're talking about it, this has been a good move, right? Like, we've enjoyed doing the 16 movies. It makes for a long season, but it's why we have more of a collar. Because yeah. I don't want to get rid of Battle Royal either. I want both in this season. If we want to have an on-air meeting. work meeting, um, mm-hmm. I don't... I think that we should fight really hard not to go to 32. I don't... <laughs> I don't see how we go back on this because it's like part of the show is just being immersed in that year. Yeah. And when, even though we try to keep the chamber of secrets back, the elite eight gets so flooded with, you know, those kind of movies and yeah, you, sure. you need the flavor and it's not just the flavor. It's the foreign flavor. Like this is right. Scotland in 2002, you know, if, if we go back to eight, it's, because that a real indictment on whatever on year that makes year. us do that. Yeah. <laughs> because we're gonna we're gonna get to it and be like, I don't want to watch these eight, so fuck no, we're not doing the sixteen. I uh, I have I won't say anything to the audience or even you two. You two are kept in secret, but I have uh, <gasps> taken a look little look into the future. Uh, we're mm. not we're not going back to eight, guys. We're just <laughs> fucking not. No. Yeah, never. All right. Well, with that meeting adjourned, and we're gonna take the <laughs> quickest of break. And when we come back. We're going to talk about Marvin Kyler. Five years before Michael Clayton was the MC everyone cared about, the OG MC was spitting straight out of Scotland. That's right, we're talking about Lynn Ramsey's Marvin Kyler. Before we need to talk about Kevin and you were never really here, Ramsey co wrote and directed a little tale of the titular MC. 
as she deals with her boyfriend's suicide by stealing his novel, chopping up his body, and using his funeral money for a trip to Spain with her friend Lana. Adventure ensues. We don't, Taste Buds, I ask you this. We don't usually ask broad questions on the show, but what's the deal with this broad Morvin? No, but seriously, folks, Morvin spends the first 30 minutes of the movie, the first 90 minutes of the movie, really, doing some heinous sociopathic shit. Do Morton and Ramsey do anything to keep you on her side? Uh, first of all, can I just point out, like, cute thing with the whole MC thing, but what is this erasure of Morvin Caller's scat cat? That is the ultimate MC. The ultimate MC. In the, I Sorry. believe in the Pop Filter, Pop Hall, Filter of Fame. Hall of Famer, right? Pop Filter Hall of Famer. <laughs> MC Scat Cat. Thank you, the Pop Filter historian, for keeping me honest. The most curious part of this movie is, like, wh- why does she decide to do the things she decides to do? Because usually if you don't report somebody being dead, it's because you murdered them. It's not, like, this guy what? very clearly Facts. took his own life. But she sort of acts from that point forward as if, she has done it and i think what it all amounts to is that she can't face the enormity of what has happened like how upsetting it is to find him like that how upsetting it is that um it seems to come a little bit out of nowhere and completely alter her life and it seems like so much of her life and the life of people around her uh is is dedicated to not facing reality to trying to stay a couple steps ahead of reality and party nonstop and drink nonstop and fuck nonstop and dance nonstop just so that we don't have to look at what the world around us is like. Is it? (laughs) Just so everybody knows, Greg walked in with a smoking hot lady. So Um, (laughs) I do everywhere. She's my wife, Kelly. (laughs) I don't know why. You walked into the podcast studio with her, um, but uh, <laughs> just you know, just reminding everybody. <laughs> Doing a lot. Married. Is it not? And I think this is a really interesting question that I'm about to ask. Is it not uh, <laughs> face reality, or is it to change reality? Is it like there's this specific reality that Morvern is that her name? Morvern thinks Marvin. Uh, that she should be involved in. Uh, I think in a break last week, in between recording, Greg was like, man, doesn't it start to realize that we're all just not special people? <laughs> and that's the age we're at. That's not the age Morburn's at. Morburn is in her early 20s. And I think that she has this idea of what life should be. And I think that part of it is, I think there's a million things going on with her. And I love how it's not laid out. But like between the depression, between the uh, crippling, like, I, I can't move forward with this but also like i deserve something better and i'm going to be opportunistic in this situation that has presented itself in front of me yeah because at first it just seems like it's christmas i kind of want to go drink with my friends i'll deal with this later that was how i seem was yeah i i guess i sort of we get all that. have that mess in our house that we just can't face <laughs> even though like it's kind of gross to just leave it there but even right there mike t- you're describing millennial to gen z like Right. Right away, you're leaving out like that. This is anti-boomer, what you're saying, or this is not mm. how boomers deal with things. Because boomers deal with things. Because boomers deal with saying? things. Yeah, and like, do they? Boom- they w- boomers would probably call the cops on this body and get it. They arrested. love cops. But no, if you say <laughs> get that, get over here and arrest this dead guy. I know I need to get a job, but I can't get out of bed. Mm. You know, like I think that that's something that we've come to learn is like kind of a serious, very real thing that older people would be like, "Oh, you're just a lazy piece of shit." Right. You and know like what what kind of future does she have? Like she's 20 something and she works at 
a supermarket and you get the sense that it's like kind of displaced whatever other plans there might have been in that community like now everything kind of flows through that market and through the bars in the area and it just kind of feels like she lives in a little bit of a wasteland and you a townie she's a townie yeah Yeah. is it a wasteland or is it this is just what a small town life is like right well i think it's a it's a it's a i think kind of it's a capitalist wasteland i mean i think kind of it it's like a place where there's no future and no hope because like you can't i'm guessing that you can't have like a little cute store in this town anymore that like Mm. now instead of having a little seaside shop that there is just like a big walmart that she kind of works at and that she's going to be stuck at if she doesn't do this she's going to be stuck there for probably ever and her best friend is we got to talk about lana after we talk about Kevin, which is like Lana is less uh, sophisticated, we'll say. Right. And uh, it seems to be OK with like, let's just I'm just waiting for that next weekend fun time. You know, right. I, weekend I'm, warrior. Right. And this small town life, we can get through it. Or I'm not I'm not seeing a bigger picture than outside of this town. And I think and it's not crushing me, though. It's like, right. Whereas it crushes Morvern, it seems like. There's times that I bet Morvern is jealous of Lana because you, if you could like get around all this terrible feeling that you have because you feel stuck, then you would do that. Yeah, because if you live in a small town, either say six eggs that's too expensive or there must be something more than this provincial life. Those are the two <laughs> kinds of people. And Lana, six eggs is too expensive. <laughs> but you, it's it's very hard to read what Morvern is like, and it's hard to know what she's like was like before this happened to her and it's hard to know what she was like before she got together with this guy jesse that ends up taking his life and because of all that it's not clear if she is just kind of dumbfounded by what has happened because she seems stunned and lana like even says that about her like you seem off tonight but then she kind of stops saying that but at least for the camera and for the audience it seems like no she is still absolutely like not a motive yeah, well, just like, uh, but like insensate. Like I mean, j- just like completely flattened and drained of everything. I I don't know how this casting went down. I don't know like uh, if I didn't if I was Ramsey or if I was the casting director or whoever and I never met Samantha Morton, I would have just canceled the fucking movie. Because mm. what this lady's able to do with not moving her face. Yes. Is absolutely just like moving it so little that it almost is like not moving. <laughs> we I we talked about the Passion of Joan of Arc, the old like 1920s, 1910s, 1920s movie, uh, when we talked about we minority report. Right? And how we talked about how those close ups on Samantha Morton were pulled from Passion of Joan of Arc. It, that it's here too. Just one of the greatest faces, Samantha Morton, in the in the history of Hollywood. Both two movies from this season have been taken advantage of it, and what that leaves us is we're not watching the drama. We're watching her watch the drama the entire time. Like it's not like what's going to happen next. Who else is she going to like? What other dead body is there going to be? It's just what will Samantha do with her face and what. Uh, I don't know clues can we pick up on her past and her future you know which she I don't think it was an abusive relationship but I don't think it was, it was a fulfilling healthy. one you know I mean, she's never been fulfilled it's it feels very clear that that Jesse was 
uh, like looked down on her for being a townie. He has like higher aspirations. Like that's the vibe of he's writing his novel. He often bails on hanging out with people so he can write his novel. He he has all this music. Like he he's your a guy at the bar like, calls him Dostoevsky, which I think is an interesting like illusion, you know, of all the authors to say to to use it as him Dostoevsky, like brooding and dark and everything like that. And he says it like mockingly. Oh, yeah. It's not a compliment. Yeah. It's just like, oh, look at the tortured artist. Look how his own buddy could be. But But is is there any way to tell? Like, are there hints of what she used to be like? Because I don't know. Besides Lana saying, you seem off. Like, I, I don't, I really don't think there are. And I think that the movie avoids the artificial means by which sometimes we rely in movies. And if you use voiceover, so help me God. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, she doesn't keep a journal. She doesn't like, she hardly unbears her soul to anybody. Like she very, she really doesn't say much of anything. All we have is the canvas of Samantha Morton's face. And even that is like a subtle, as subtle a text as we've had on this show before, because <laughs> she hardly, she does so much by doing almost nothing with that. And the camera just has these very long shots of her, like, reading something or clicking through the internet or thinking about what she's going to do next or listening to music. And we have to interpret the movie through the lens of watching her face in those moments. And that, like, pulls you in so much, I think, because you have to create the text along with the film. There's just no way to not be a participant in the manufacture of meaning I mean, while like, watching this movie. It's crazy to be rooting for this person, you know? And that's such a, like, a weird term to say about characters. Like, nobody cares if you're rooting for it, like her or him, like it's a sports team. But I do root for her. I, I want her to find happiness. And it's because it becomes abundantly clear that that's impossible. It's just never going to fucking happen. Mm. Um, there's this inability to be fulfilled that's sort of trained in her. I think that the way that men are shot in this movie, the way that uh, men are like, uh, she reacts to men. You know, I think that she's been controlled. She hasn't made a lot of decisions her entire life. That's why I think that the suicide is an opportunity. But look at her. They, the two of them use uh, Jesse's funeral fund to take a trip to Spain. Mm-hmm. And, when it's going well, you know, they're, they're both having fun. She's like, fuck it, we're leaving right now. This is not giving me whatever I thought it was going to. Right. Because, you know, nothing Why? ever will until something happens. I don't know what, but, like, it's this whole unfulfillment thing. You don't see it. And I do think it's pretty clear that he was, like, exceptionally controlling of her. And I think men right. controlling women is, is a huge theme. Because, like, if you think about it, what? taking his life in the way that he did is at least, like, um rude to her or like doesn't consider her (laughs) but then the note he leaves is like you know you have to stay he's like hamlet or something he's like no you have to stay alive horatio and tell my story he's like gives morwen chores to do once he's gone and like you know go send it to this editor and send it to this editor and send it like obviously this is a guy who is used to just bossing her around this might be nitpicky but like hey i'm dead now I will still be choosing the soundtrack for the rest of this film. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and <laughs> you'll only listen to the music that I choose for everybody. And so I think like that it, it and th- even something about his authorial presence is like, mm-hmm. you know, he writes the novel for her. Like, and I love how she interprets that as like, you know, well, actually what would really make it mine is if <laughs> I just went ahead and what? put my name where yours is. In but the, almost, mo- in the most viewer wonder if, 
the novel is a is about her. So like, did he F Scott Fitzgerald kind of like steal her life and put it into yeah. the story anyway? Mm. So it's her story <sighs> anyway. Like whether or not his is the name that goes on the top of it. I also know enough about Morburn that she didn't fucking read it. I bet you she just said oh no, yeah. dude. <laughs> she sent that shit right off. I mean, all she she looked at the first. She didn't even like go to the first page of text. She just looked at the title page and then was like, okay. Anyway, I'm just gonna put my name right here. <laughs> I think the only hint we get other than Lana is that so Morvin wakes up on the floor of their apartment next to his dead body. So it's not like she's chasing substances to deal with his death. That is clearly ingrained in her to get blackout pass out. All right, Mike, you ever been a townie? You do a lot of drugs and you drink a whole bunch. Because what else is there to I do? Mean, it's the, I want I want so badly to be a townie someday. That is what I aspire to She be. walks up to her friend, and her friend just like hands her a pill. Doesn't even say what it is, and then she just mm-hmm. takes it. And I swear, like this is the artistic context of mid-90s Scotland. And that's when the book came out, Scotland, as well. Like This was you know very much like all the stories out of Scotland where people just like getting blackout drunk and then doing drugs nonstop. But yeah, like that's... She obviously has this problem from way back. Mm-hmm. But I don't... It's, it's part of her, like, dealing with the, the brutality of life, I think. I I do think that there's an interesting relationship that the movie has with drugs and alcohol, though, because I, I do think that she's using, but I wouldn't say... Like, it doesn't... I don't think that she's in danger a lot, you know? Like, I'm not worried about her going to rehab or learning lessons that, like, killing a kid in a uh, DUI. Like, I don't... That's not what it is. And then we get to an interesting point where I want to say she's in a bathroom and she oh makes God. eye contact with a girl who is absolutely fucking gone. Like mm-hmm. eyes crossed, can barely stand up, leaning They're against like the wall. They're like rolling around in her head. And yeah, her eyes, yeah. Uh, and there's there's this point where I think, oh, Morvern's going to get her out of there, be a hero. <laughs> but it's just not, it's not what the MC does. I think what she does do, this movie takes place in the MCU, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think what she does is see like, am, am I? Do I look like that? Am I? Am I using drugs and alcohol to that point, or not even that? Like, am I like that even when I'm not? Am I just a zombie in my life? You know, I, I think she uses this girl to to be like a touchstone on her feelings about herself, as opposed to anything, any thoughts about the girl whatsoever. She's very much a visual foil. I mean, she's she is like the visual rhyme to Morvan Collar because she Whoa. looks Corbin like Muller. her. And we see her, like, a couple of different... This is the second of the two times that we see her. We also see her by the pool in that weird, like, switch your bathing suits, and now the girl's topless, and everybody, like, like monkeys. Everyone's laughing, except for her, sort of, who is, again, her eyes are just It's, like, the same thing, yeah. Yeah, And, like, she seems, like, wasted and disassociating and humiliated and upset. And so, like, I, I think that she very much sort of, like, yeah, stands for the... This is how how much worse it could be for this character if she doesn't take control of her life, which we see her in the process of doing the Trying. entire movie. Yeah. That is all the hot time we have to talk about the MC. We're going to take the quick breaks, and when we come back, move over to an MT. Mount Rushmore! Now's the time when we go to our backyard the pop filter studio in lovely burbank california and we look at all the mountains we have wrought and we, it is time to rot yet another <laughs> but this 
will not be for presidents. This will not be for your pedestrian hot boys or hot girls. Nay, in honor of this movie. And also, you know what? Let me say, the board gave this to us before we saw this movie, so blame them. This is a Rushmore to the most unintelligible characters of pop culture. Uh, first of all, a uh, couple of things, Mike. One, we we were given this assignment before we watched the movie, but did you watch this movie without subtitles? I was terrified you are going to just ask me, did I watch this movie? And it's not an answer I'm willing to give yet. No, yeah, I use subtitles. You had to have subtitles. You have I don't to have speak subtitles. Scottish. I'm sorry. And like, they say it's English? No, it's not. Like most movies nowadays, you have to watch with subtitles. And so at first, I didn't even notice it because I have subtitles on for everything. But... If you turn them off for a scene, like forget about it. Man. Yeah, and it, it's kind of exciting and cool that like they could speak the the same language in such a different way. But also, like, there's a bunch of words they have that they use that are weird too. So, <laughs> the slang isn't as thick as in other Scottish movies I've seen. But like, yeah. I it got to the point where like, if they were off for one scene, yeah, I would say forget about it. My other thing is that uh, if I'm ev- if you guys ever see me walking, I want and you drive past me, roll down your window and scream at me, pedestrian hot boy. That's I, that's my new nickname. That is a new indie sleaze band for sure, right? <laughs> They're opening for Phoebe Bridgers. Do you like the singular or the plural? I like this group of five women are pedestrian hot boy. Nice. <laughs> they write the most fun, sad songs. All right, let's dive right into it. Greg, give me your first unintelligible character in your best impression of them. Uh, dang old... Friend of, friend of Hank Hill, man, in Arlen, Texas, is always speaking sense, but no quite understands. My what? favorite thing about the character Boomhauer from uh, King of the Hill is he will go like that for like two minutes, and that's funny and it's always enjoyable. But the thing that will always make me laugh so loud, no matter how many times I hear it, is ha- after Boomhauer does his like word jazz, Hank Hill going, You said it, Boomhauer. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. That's my favorite thing, I think, like, on TV. It's just <laughs> Hank Hill going, great point, Boomhauer. <laughs> I, I mean, like, if you have a Groot in your squad, <laughs> uh, like the three of us do with Taylor, then you have to throw something at the end of, like, ah, nobody's ever said it better than that, my friend. Because <laughs> otherwise you have to acknowledge you tuned out a sentence in. <laughs> Uh, Greg, I think we just found your pocket. You could do a whole recreation of King of the Hill characters talking to each other solo. Yeah. <laughs> a one-man show. Uh, I'll start with Khan. Just kidding, America. I never would do that. <laughs> do you mean just... voiced by uh, character actor Toby Huss, the whitest white guy in America? Is that true? <laughs> yep. That's always so disappointing to find uh... out, and it's always the case. Literally always. Uh, just for drama's sake, Boomhauer's on the maybe pile. What? I know. <laughs> I thought by getting to go first, I <laughs> I thought that was one of those gifts. I was relying on that. We'll see. We'll see. No egg counting before the chickens come home to roost, as the Scots <laughs> say. Ryan, who do you got? Uh, the first thing that came to my mind, um, and this is you could probably tell when I was born, uh, when I got this assignment, when I rented my hotel room, meditated and thought about it, uh, was Fred Fenster? A name that does not really fit this character, played by Benicio del Toro yeah. in the movie *The Usual Suspects*. Uh, <laughs> oh. 
no one can understand a word that he says except for his Han Solo to Benicio Del Toro's Chewbacca, who is always like, well said, Fred. Um, <laughs> but in the very famous uh, light-up that like is on the poster and where all five of them, quote-unquote, meet for the first time, they all have to say, give me the keys, you fucking cocksucker. And... Uh, the cops cannot, they have to have him repeat it over and over again. They can't even understand the thing that they told him to <laughs> we say. We fed you this line, and Give we still don't. You. <laughs> Give me the keys to you. And this is basically through the entire, I cannot believe that, uh, or, or I can't, like, he won an Oscar for this. He won Best Sporting Actor for his role in The Usual Suspects uh, for just going. <laughs> I don't want to say I didn't understand him. Let's give him the award. <laughs> <laughs> and he basically makes just that character in space for The Last Jedi, yes? Yeah, essentially, yeah. <laughs> well, Fred Friendster is on the maybe pile. Drama! <laughs> Greg? All right. Um, Mike Judge just really likes his unintelligible <laughs> characters. But sometimes they can be angels, like Boomhauer. But other times they can be devils, like Milton from Office Space. Uh, he's got the red stapler. Uh, he mumbles through everything. I'm going to keep disrespecting me. I'm going to have to come back in and burn the building down to turn it all to ashes. And the audience can understand most of what he says, but clearly nobody in universe can understand. Burn the building down. That should have been a red flag. Like I heard that part. (laughs) He threatens to burn the building down every time he says anything. (laughs) What? Milton is on the mountain. Oh, Mount yeah. Milton. Also, like that is such a uh, iconic one that other movies have now. The voices may be different in their unintelligibility, but there's a character in the Pitch Perfect universe, uh-huh. and she has a very like deep singing voice. But she does like this, and burn their faces off. And that's always all you can understand. Is she also just says burn, and you're like, oh. They're like, it worked in office space. We'll do it too. Yeah. <laughs> Is that, are you shit talking Pitch Perfect, your favorite trilogy of all time? I mean, there's been none better. Nobody touches it. I but, haven't delved into the expanded Pitch Perfect verse with Bumper Goes to Berlin, but okay, okay, it's then coming. You don't, then you're not really yeah. qualified to talk Maybe about Maybe shut your fucking mouth then. How about well, that? We're talking right. about the trilogy. <laughs> We're talking about the extended universe that Christ. includes all the, all the deep arcana, okay? Oh, shut the fuck. oh understood. I'm out of line. You just got on the mountain, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, who do you got? I, I've noticed that over the uh, past decade or so, a movie that uh, has been picking up some... Its stock has been rising because it's like a interesting look at the plight of veterans and PTSD. Um, I still claim that the movie is a stinkeroo. Uh, I've never seen any of the more famous sequels. But where it really hits its stride is in the final scene when Brian Dennehy finally catches John Rambo. And John Rambo looks at him (laughs) and gives this speech that needs to be heard to be believed. It's to be unheard, to be unbelieved. It like even if you have subtitles on, like the guy (laughs) writing the subtitles, like, what? I I give up. Like, this is insane. (laughs) And you you like what okay? What were the eighteen words between the two U's that <laughs> I got the U's? It. This is why we don't listen to Vietnam veterans. <laughs> They're too hard to understand. Was that the Was that the whole message of the movie? Is that Brian Dennehy was right? 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> these Denny's guys are unintelligible. I want, you know, those like, uh, it's just like iconography of Ma- Magneto's helmet, like the graphic tees that say Magneto is right. I want one of that that's Denny he was right. <laughs> Denny he was right. <laughs> You pick the movie. <laughs> FX2? You mean Brian Dennehy from FX2? <laughs> um, it's, it, I, I, it's sure that this was a poignant thing that veterans needed to have representation on screen. Um, but everyone has their sliced alone impression. It all comes from this. Like It is just uh, for six minutes. <laughs> and that's why Rambo, right on Mount Milton. Oh, nice. That, I think this is also why they were like, um, all right, so that was like a quiet, little, tiny, low-budget drama. Um, clearly, he can't do that. Let's make two more giant action movies where he can actually... I mean, he he's the Vin Diesel of his generation, right? Like, <laughs> make him do stuff, because if he has to think or say stuff, it's not going to work. Why does he look like he's in pain and pooping? Oh, he's thinking. <laughs> he's trying to remember his lines. Oh, and pooping. He's always and pooping he's, he's on camera. Pooping. Gregory, Ryan mentioned um, Chewbacca earlier, and I think that that's a great one. But I was thinking from the Star Wars universe, one that uh, I like even more is R2-D2. Uh, R2-D2 clearly speaks a language that some people can understand. Other people, ha- like some people have to use a like, computer to understand what he's saying, but like Luke can kind of like figure out what he's talking about. But R2-D2 is so unintelligible that even though he knows everything that happens over the entire, like, nine episodes <laughs> of the movie, he doesn't communicate that to anybody uh, in all his shrieks, whoops, and whistles. Including J.J. Uh, Abrams. I bet if you <laughs> accused him, he'd be like, nobody fucking asked. Now, yeah, dude. Nobody's listening to R2-D2. I have a question because I've never thought about this. If... If they speak a language you don't understand, that's not unintelligible. You just don't know that language. Does Chewbacca speak Wookiee, or does he just scream a lot? <laughs> like, is he? Yeah, spe- he's just grunting. Well, yeah, he mostly just goes. Are they, you can't say that a, means eight different things. Is it a languageless species? No, literally. No, literally, they're speaking. They like they communicate. That's him. That's him talking. Okay, so he's not unintelligible. We just don't understand the language. Yeah, I mean, for yeah. a lot of these, that's kind of that's kind of how it is. And that's definitely like R2-D2 is speaking some sort of robot language that like C-3PO understands and other computers understand. And, and X-Wings we, understand, right? X-Wings yeah. understand, yeah. They're com- the computer on the X-Wings translate what's he, what he says. And then at some point, Luke sort of just picks up the ability, I guess, because he's like seen it translated so much. Um, but yeah, it's not totally unintelligible, I guess, in, in some of these cases. And that's why the adorable RT unit will be going right in that Jawa trash compactor. What? that's a future drop folks not from star wars from this episode (laughs) all right let's speed around this shit ryan who you got um i uh am a little bit nervous to say this in front of you because of your hatred for this franchise but um the uh frightening trombone mutants that are adults in the peanuts universe oh hell yeah i've always found delightful i just you pick up the phone (laughs) And I mean, how do you connect to kids better than showing them that that's how adults sound? Even when you, you when you know English, that's still what they fucking sound like. Talking about debt ceilings and capital gains tax all the time. All I heard was somebody playing a muted trombone when you just said a few words there. Man, and adults I, are like, they say to kids, like, you have to care about the adult world. 
And kids are just like, nah, <laughs> I'm so uninterested in what you have to say. <laughs> That's kids. You have money and you don't spend it all on candy. So fuck You're you. How about that? <laughs> Peanuts is on the Mabu pile. Peanuts adults, specifically. Greg? Um... From the Looney Tunes universe, uh, the spinning brown sensation, t- uh, the Tasmanian devil, uh, <laughs> who does a little bit like a... then like spins in a, in a circle. And like a lot of spitting, I guess. Um, but what's that guy saying? Don't know. I think Don't he's trying... Care, to, I think he's attempting to use language, but nobody is quite sure. <laughs> it's unintelligible. Yeah, dude. He can't intelligent. it. Ryan, I uh, I think that uh, these movies that were popular in the '90s and early 2000s really hit their peak with Guy Ritchie's uh, or Brad Pitt's performance in Snatch. Yeah. Guy Ritchie's yeah. Snatch. Uh, that is maybe that's how people talk. Uh, we don't know. Frankly, we would we don't, <laughs> we don't want to know. But I feel like that it's almost a parody of all these movies of like, what the fuck did you just say? And he's also One Punch Man. Uh huh. Yeah. Every, every fight just lasts one punch. Even against Bruce Lee. <laughs> Your Mount Rushmore of unintelligible characters is Milton. And when I say it, if you could please give a little uh, quick impression Milton from Office Space. Get to bring the mountain down. Rambo from Rambo. <laughs> Boomhauer from King of the Hill. Up on this d- dang old mountain, man. Did not something I want to, frankly, take for granted. <laughs> you said it, Boomhauer. <laughs> wow. And Brad Pitt from Snatch. Upside, inside out, living la vida <laughs> loca. <laughs> Unfortunately, you both missed mm. the bonus double point really? character. Tom Hardy in his, the last 10 movies that he was in. That's his thing. He's like, I'm sick of acting, and I'm not going to do the Christian Bale lose weight, gain weight. I'm going <laughs> to talk in a dumb voice. <laughs> so Tom Hardy, all these four characters are on his shoulders. He is the Atlas <laughs> underneath the Mount Rushmore. But he's just going to break them over his knee. Hell yeah, he will. We're going to take the quickest of breaks, and when we come back, more Marvin Collar. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening so far. And let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called yourpopfilter.com. And it's everything you need that's related to Pop Filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way we get a little piece of the action and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year, where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show. That's Movie of the Year. And that's yourpopfilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review, bye. Taste buds. This is Lynn Ramsey's second of currently four films in Toto. 
What do we make of her shooting decisions in a mostly plotless film? I, she should never have plot. And <laughs> I think that you, uh, I always mess this up. You were never really here. Yes. Has like a classic act three. There's more of a classic structure, but when it's at its best, it's just, uh, I am this zombie walking through life, trying to figure out my life and this child's. And I think that's there. I don't think there's anybody better at that than this, you know, and that's not like the most enticing way to get somebody to watch her movies. But let me tell you, somebody who has watched most of her movies, do it. You should do it. But and, w- would you recommend her to everybody? Because isn't it just like, well, is is it artistic and highfalutin enough because she's making choices and it's not plot beat, plot beat, saves the cat? It, are you just like, well, I know it, how you like film, you would like this, or do you do you think everybody could get something out of her? I don't think I don't think she's uh, like this is not Tarkovsky. This is like there's enough here to hang on to. I think just like we've talked about. Um, Samantha Morton's face is enough to get you through this movie and the crazy things she does every like 15 minutes. <laughs> like she like this is like a uh, Jim Jarmusch movie and then mm. in the 15th minute she'll be like, uh, "I'm going to go saw up this body." So that might be enough. <laughs> I think I think that ball's accurate Samantha Morton impression. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go saw up this body. Uh when you talk about Kevin is probably the easiest to recommend because I think that's the most edge of your seat thriller. I'm at a blockbuster, what do I rent kind of movie. I think if you describe this movie to somebody, it's going to sound like a film that maybe they're not going to have the patience for. Mm. But I do think there's a quality to the direct, the the combination of the direction and the acting of uh, Samantha Morton that like makes it riveting. I mean, if you describe this movie to somebody Except for the parts where you're giving them like the the highlights of her like sawing up the body, um, it's gonna sound boring, you know. Like, oh, and then there's this shot where she's clicking through the computer, and you just like see her face for four minutes. Uh, <laughs> Whoa! The experience, yeah, it's good. People are gonna edge like, of oh. your seat. Yeah, but the experience is that it is riveting. Like the flashing of the Christmas light behind her, the like sort of hum of the electricity, like it, it, you know, picking up to make the flash and then go, going down, like the, the idle clicking of the mouse. It like you feel totally caught up in it. So it's a, a real marriage of those two things. I mean, when she does that, it feels like it's Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Like the noises are so loud that it feels like she is so small in her world because mm. you can you can hear the Christmas lights, you can hear the clicking. What I would do if you have to uh, recommend this movie is just say indie movie right there. People are like, oh, okay, oh, yeah, I got it. About two female friends, mm. and then <laughs> like then they sort of set themselves, and then like you got a little bit of the spice, which is uh, the friend fucked the other friend's boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And let them find the rest out on their own. Yeah, again, and it's uh, hopefully listeners, you watched this. Uh, before we start talking about it, but going in as little with as little knowledge as possible. I know, but, I think, but you're talking to our incredibly intelligent film yes. forward audience. Yes, they put the and this is like I, I don't want to tell anybody how to live their life, right? But <laughs> okay. I would say put your fucking phone in a different house. <laughs> uh, yeah. One Scottish, you're not going to understand it. Two with this kind of with, with this kind of ambiance and atmosphere that Ramsey and Morton are creating. You're going to miss why this movie is beautiful 
if you're like, yeah, uh, I got it. Uh, I was on Twitter. Do you know what I do? Yeah. Is I, I tape my phone to a brick and then tape a note to all of that and throw it through the neighbor's window. And then the note just says, I'm watching a movie. Could you hold my phone? What I did is Smart. I sawed my phone up into small pieces, and then I went out into the mountains, and over a series of like time, I kind of buried it in small Wait, small when you chunks. when you sawed the phone up, were you wearing your hottest undies and aviators? Yeah, I put on my <laughs> aviators, and then I just sort of like strapped my Walkman to my midsection <laughs> with, with like tape. athletic tape or something. That. That why was that not a bigger Halloween costume in two thousand and two? That's one in the where... universe of this movie that totally would be. Yes, like, that is something that people would wear in this movie. You were that somewhere hip like Brooklyn or Des Moines or Barstow. You're gonna get All the hot spots. Some attention. People are gonna get it. I, I, I look. I think that it takes Lynn Ramsey to um, have this much faith in. You know, like, there's not a lot riding on this. There's not a high budget. So I am literally going to film a person. We're going to watch a person watch things the entire time. Uh-huh. Um, I think that uh, this movie's relationship with nudity, as Greg was saying earlier, I think that it's very important to have a female director to not get us into a blue is the warmest color situation. Yes. Oh, my yeah. God. You know, I think that it, wow. Samantha Morton spends a lot of this time nude because we're invading her house. This is not like, oh, I am uh, a party girl. It, it, like, we are in her most intimate situations. And when people are like that, they don't always wear bras. They don't always wear shirts, whether it's for comfort or for uh, practical reasons, because you're about to saw up a body, you know? Yeah. And the way that this movie is shot is not, you know... Uh, it's, it's not titillating at all. It's not There's titillating. There's no male gaze. No, I mean, especially because over the course of the entire movie, you, I think you would begin to feel pretty bad about that because yeah the the message very much seems to be that like the culture is a bully culture that like forces this on women and the movie works against that by having it be like never really exciting nudity it's it's what feels much more organic which is just somebody when they are the most exposed and it's interesting that she and her friend like bathe together because that closeness that you see there is kind of intense, especially when they are both actively lying to each other at the same moment. And so that mix of like utter intimacy mm-hmm. uh, and then sort of like deceit at the same time, I think kind of gets to, to the exact core of what the movie is about. I mean, do you guys, uh, I was uh, sort of pulled apart with, with this uh, relationship, the core relationship of the movie, which is these two girls. Um, are they lying to each other? Like we say that we're the most comfortable, but we're constantly lying to each other. Or is the lying fine? That's how much we need each other. We're just going to ignore the lies. You know, like once Lynn, Lana, I'm sorry, Lana uh-huh. tells Morvern that she fucked her dead boyfriend when he was alive. Um, <laughs> Caveat. <laughs> Morvern, Morvern gets over it pretty quick. And I think, I don't think it's because Morvern's a sociopath. I think it's because Lana's the most important thing in her life. And like, right. Not forgiving her would be crazy. Does she? I mean, I see that argument. I can. I definitely see that reading. But she also starts to make the vacation hellish for Lana. Yeah. Not unknowingly, she knows what Lana's kind of into. Adds it onto this long list of stuff that she feels like she's escaping, but is actually stalking her everywhere she goes. 
she turns around and instantly is very upset and then clearly is just like you know what i can just put this in the rearview mirror like i do everything else I, yeah it, I, I just th- i think she, that she needs lana there whether it's for compatriotism or like uh to be the boss of you know like lana's the thing yeah. lana's so happy but the happy Why? people are somehow drawn to these people who are totally not happy and be like well i guess then you're sort of the boss you're the cooler one and it's almost like they like in a weird way they reproduce the relationship that we kind of think that morvern had with her boyfriend mm-hmm. right Why? but she kind of becomes the author of that relationship and she sets the terms and she has the demands and i think in a weird way the betrayal helps seat that you know it helps her to be that way it helps her to take that sort of command like it was already happening but then she was like well no need to wishy-washy about this because what happens when lana's like fuck you morburn you're a fucking bitch at the end when they're stuck in the middle of nowhere morburn's like all right i'm out then like yeah <laughs> this isn't giving me what i need anymore i quit i quit now we've seen so many indie directors get swallowed up by the gaping maw that is Hollywood, specifically these days, the MCU. Uh, Chloe Zhao used to be like a hot indie director and then made The Eternals. Could you see Lynn Ramsey doing anything interesting with a big budget movie? Well, I read today uh, in all my research that uh, her next movie was supposed to be The Lovely Bones. Do you guys remember recently talking about The Lovely Bones? PDJ's yeah. Lovely Bones. Eventually, Peter Jackson took that over, which is so strange. Uh, Lynn Ramsey dropped out. Should we call Peter Jackson? Um, <laughs> it was pretty similar stylistically. I, As I said last week, that is a movie that I hate. But a Lynn Ramsey one where she does, she focuses on the thing that she wants to focus on, mm-hmm. you know, then I think that could have been great. I don't n- No, you Not everybody wants or needs that mcu paycheck uh kelly yeah. Riker. i don't want to watch kelly Riker. it's fantastic four. Oh man very slow fantastic four <laughs> just wow. the thing staring at the mirror for 20 minutes straight shot like wondering who he is that yeah, I mean, would be kind of sweet though that sounds, no, <laughs> that sounds great what i'm saying is that i don't want to lose the kelly Riker movie she didn't make because right. she made the yes. fantastic four and i mean honestly like eternals has probably cost us how many chloe Zhao movies right like it's not just the one it's like her stock dropped because of that. Which is such horse shit. Even though I do not like that movie. <laughs> Go make your own movies. You, you're still very good at things. That paycheck must sound so nice, though. And it must feel like b- before you do it, like, oh, I could bring such like an authentic voice to that. I could do it my way and it mm-hmm. would work. It must be just so tempting. And then Feige is like, you know, you actually don't direct most of this movie. Yeah. We have yeah. people who do that. Like, we're going to tell you how this goes. To me, sounds even better. If I <laughs> if I got hired for a job and they were like, we're going to give you this huge check, you don't have to do that much. That's that's my dream job. Sweaty. I don't care what it is. Cinecures are for me. I love that. Any job that you just want, like, you know, where it's just somebody, like, just gets collects a paycheck, I'll do that. I'm not too honorable to do that kind of thing. <laughs> it, yeah, I know, listeners, you were always wondering, like, how honorable is Greg? Now you know. Yeah. Now you know. And now we have run out of time to talk about Lynn Ramsey. We're going to take the quickest breaks, and when we come back, we're going to play a little game. Taste Buds, for the last time in your season, 2002, we walk these hallowed halls of the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. Do you want to do it next week? 
Let's just fucking do it next. Yeah, week. might as well. Like, what do we got? Just go do it next week. Just do it next week. What do you guys want to do instead? No, I meant as well because you said this was the last time, and we should oh, still I do the pod. But we're, we have nothing else content. prepared, Mike. I know, so we're just gonna like. I don't know. What'd you have for breakfast? <laughs> cranberries. Cranberries. Seven thousand cranberries. Do you have the UTI? A big handful of cranberries. Okay. No, I don't want to go into it, Mike. <laughs> okay. Cran. You know? Just so we know, cranberries are, is a fruit to be combined with other fruits. Like cran grape, that's fine. Cran apple to just have cranberries is that's uh, insane. Cran grape, I feel like is such a lie. That is just grape. Yeah, that's a gross. <laughs> There's ass like drink no cran ass people. There. Give me some cran. Well, fuck it. I guess we will do the pop filter Hall of Fame. Cranberries, get- Mike. <laughs> we <laughs> all love them. I think they should be in the Hall of Fame. Three votes from me. It's in. <laughs> Cranberries is in the Pop Filter Hall of Fame, and that is an even the real thing. But it Why is does a democracy erroneous. Work like that? I know. Why Just all this red change tape? It. Just fix it. Cranberries aren't in the Hall of Fame. Now they are. Our uh, in-house sculptor is already adding the cranberry bust to the pop filter hall of fame. <laughs> the there you go. Cranberry. And not we don't mean the band. No. We no. mean the tangy tart fruit that the cures berry. that cures your bladder infections. All right. I don't know if anybody else can top cranberries, but Greg, let's see if they can. Their video games are very important to me and maybe they're important to all of us. And we don't have a ton of video game representation in the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. But there is one franchise that was my favorite franchise when I first started playing video games and is still my favorite franchise now and has released probably 10 to 15 amazing video games. And it is the Zelda franchise. Um, Basically reinventing video games in the 1980s and then doing it again in the 90s, doing it again in the 2000s, 2010s, and now... This year with Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And the, the way in which it's new and fresh is still very much true to like the original Zelda framework all the way back in the Nintendo age. Um, the idea that you could go anywhere from the beginning and kind of approach the game in an order that you wanted to was way more revolutionary when they did it back in, in the 1980s with the first Zelda um, and even game the the entries to the series that have not fared well, like Zelda Two, when I was a kid, was universally considered like an awful sequel. Now, if you go back and look at it, it's brave. Uh, it was like futuristic. It was just not of its time, really. It was way ahead of its time, and it suffered for that. What so, made it so um, ahead of its time? I don't. I'm not familiar with the Zelda Two's reputation. Zelda 2 changed, like, we get, get sequels now, and when the sequels come out, they're basically the first game a little bit more. Zelda ah. 2 completely changed everything. About it was a goddamn side-scroller. It, yeah, it was side-scrolling. <laughs> it was way more of an RPG. It was harder. Um, and in, for all those reasons, it's actually very, very good. But people wanted, like, Zelda 1.5. They didn't right. want something completely new. And Nintendo was learning that lesson, you know, o- over the years. Um, but the way in which it has sort of been the benchmark of every system that it has been released on, um, and the way it has like, kind of like led the conversation about video games all throughout the years, I think it's just a good, a good entry for our hall of fame. So if Zelda makes it in, who represents it? The, the little green elfin character of Zelda? 
<laughs> the guy Zelda, I think, should be the the entrant. Uh, the if he's a boy, isn't that Zelda? Zelda. Um, but you know, uh, lately it's pretty clear that um, Link is like comfortable dressing in a lot of different ways. The the Switch games. Uh, he has so much clothing that is gender neutral or even feminine that he looks really good in, and so you're able to define um, nice. you're able to define the gender of Link as you see fit. Good for Link. Ryan, he's a cutie, dude. He's a <laughs> he's a good looking little cartoon guy. Who do you got that can tower above cranberries and Zelda the Link? Uh, well, I mean, cranberries is in, right? That's yeah, cranberries are in. Um, it's got three votes, right? And not the not the band. I just want to be not clear. the band. The, the tiny little fruit. The tiny uh, little fruit you stomp on with your feet. There are multiple occasions of a show being just put into the Hall of Fame. Uh, the Simpsons, which is probably more for, as Greg was saying, the video games, uh, yeah. classic video games like Bart versus the Space Mutants, or Simpsons Hit and Run, and Simpsons Hit and Run, <laughs> fucking phenomenal game that I have logged a crazy amount of hours <laughs> playing. Um. Arrested Development, The sometimes a show is just too important. Over the last five, six, seven years, um, basically since we started doing uh, the best of the years, uh, there's been a show that I think has towered over almost all other shows. Uh, I think that most people in this room agree. Unfortunately, uh, fortunately for the audience, but unfortunately for us, um, there's this evil cabal that we invite yeah. to do best of the year every year that uh, basically hates <laughs> art and taste. Our show kind of made the same mistake America made, which is we <laughs> let women start to vote. <laughs> that's that's no. what I was about to say, obviously. <laughs> I think I'm summarizing your point, right, Ryan? Yeah, and Mike can't just help, but uh, it's just his hand is just giving you a point right now for your incredible <laughs> statement. Um, in, instead of, <laughs> instead of um, losing sleep nightly about Better Call Saul never winning best show of the year any of the years that it was out uh let's take it a step further and just anoint it into the pop filter hall of fame um and then who cares about best show of the year you're, you got a fucking bust bro you're up there next to a pile bust. of cranberries you're stacked man if it didn't seem if it didn't seem so hack to just immediately put it in right on the heels of having done that with cranberries <laughs> yeah, that's probably can't. what we would do but we're just not that hack quite yet can't, can't break democracy twice in one night do you hear me trump well, one, uh, I mean, the show came after uh, Crans Ton and then here a ton of Crans. So, mm. I guess. Of course. Wow. Points for broken brains. This uh, creative person, <laughs> when they are in front of a camera, uh, can do so much with so little. Riveting, makes every role their own, whether they're guesting on a sitcom or starring in indie darling films and when they're behind the camera they don't have a lot of this but god damn it are they a tour de force and only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger especially when what i'm calling my oppenheimer comes out barbie i'm nominating yes. greta g gerwig for the pop filter hall of fame i think Ooh. she is unstoppable and so very talented uh did we tell the listeners that the winner of the o2 movie of the year is the latest trailer from barbie like it's all done there's no need it's to do done. the finale we've done it you guys, everything about dying? I've thought about that. I only watched yeah. it this morning. I've thought about that 13 times. <laughs> I've never seen uh, a movie 
show what Mike is like at a party better than <laughs> that moment. Uh, a giant, dazzling smile <laughs> and just record scratch. Ask if everybody's <laughs> thought about dying. <laughs> Don't you hate Frances Ha, Mike? But she's good in it. Uh. She didn't direct it. It would have been good if she had. I think her dumb bro Bob Bach did. Yes, your point has been made multiple times. Thank you. <laughs> could d- did you guys imagine that you could be more excited about the Barbie movie than you were when that trailer came out? And it actually like, I'm so much more stoked than I was before, and I didn't think it was possible. Every I can't believe new tidbit makes yeah. me more excited. But also, hey, uh, studio, whoever it is, stop now. We're all pumped. I, yeah. I want to see no Show more no seconds. More. The, if they release more seconds, I will have to watch more seconds. Mm-hmm. So please right. just stop. Um, do, do, you, do you know what I really like is Will Ferrell's latter day career where he is just playing people who hate that toys are coming alive. Yeah. yeah. That's keep, keep doing it, bro. It's so strange. He drives a Dodge Stratus and he hates that toys come alive. I have thought for, I, I feel like I've said this every year, uh, every time they like go to say, how are we supposed to do this property? Uh, Brady Bunch movie, like Brady Bunch movie, yes. should have become Groundhog Day in that wow. it's it's like a genre to its own, and we should get a Brady Bunch movie every three years. Yes, I saw somebody being like, "How can you even do anything with Barbie? What is there?" And it was probably a dude, but also like, I don't know. Look at the last thirty Marvel movies. Shit that was a property does pretty well, idiot critic. Also, look at the last two middle fingers I'm holding up at you <laughs> right fucking now, <laughs> guys. I. Watching this last trailer, uh, and just knowing who directed it, Mike's nominee, um, I think that as much as we're going to laugh, we're going to cry. We're yeah. going to fucking cry at this Barbie movie. It, ba- basically, it's we got uh, Lady Bird, My Little Women, and now Barbie, and she is only what's what's good in baseball? Batting a thousand? Does that mean you hit every hit? Oh, That's, yeah. That means you're perfect. That would be pretty good. Dude. She's batting a thousand. <laughs> she she does not miss. Yes, that I mean that's uh, we're talking about another director like that tonight, but um, it's hard to find because usually you'll just uh, accidentally make Popeye or something. <laughs> I, that could happen to anybody. Yeah, <laughs> one thing leads to another. Next thing you know, Robin Williams is there yucking it up. Is that Richard Donner? No, that's uh, Altman. Linklater, Altman. Fuck, well, all the R's. I confuse the R's. But when you get a huge property R, like R, R, R. Popeye, don't yeah. you take the flyer on that? Everyone's I mean, clamoring. The guy's in the papers every day, Ryan. <laughs> Where's our funky what? Winker Bean movie? <laughs> <laughs> well, we are all clearly avoiding voting because it's going to hurt, as voting always should. Let's dive in. Ryan, the ledger Ledge of Zildjian. <laughs> The franchise. Uh, Zildjian, the symbol company. <laughs> uh, They're pretty important to me, actually. Unfortunately, this is just literally not a thing for me. Um, it sucks that it has to be unanimous because I know that it's so huge for you, but I just have no connection to Zelda whatsoever. Greg? Hmm. I'm going to be a butt about this, and I'm going to not vote for my own pick because i think that sometimes you do look at the rest of the class and you just recalibrate um but it's not gonna it's not gonna get in anyway ryan's not gonna get a vote or he already didn't vote for it so i just i'm not gonna split the votes i don't want to so i'm not voting for my own thing if we want to talk about zelda rubenstein from 
Poltergeist. Oh, Ryan, yeah, you know that's not in. who I'm talking She's about. She's in with the cranberries. I'm talking about <laughs> Zelda, the adventurer who saves a princess. Uh, <laughs> we said last segment that Greg is so honorable, and look at him prove it right away. <laughs> Wait, did we say how when it, he was like, I don't know, I didn't listen to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> when he was like, I'm going to be a butt, I thought he was going to be a butt in the way Ryan and I are often a butt. And yeah, so, force <laughs> like, your I will, just for like no reason I whatsoever. I will slam this to the ground so more people are upset. <laughs> Maybe it would be more honorable though to like, you know, stick to stick with it. I don't, I don't often do it where I like read the topography, but those were, those were, it's, it's, it's in a really strong class. It's and a strong so class. I just... But plus, you don't it, got the votes. You don't got the votes. That's, that's not a, what the song aha, is about. Aha. That's the thing. If you had gone to Greg first, maybe he would have voted for it. But already mm. knowing that it wasn't going in, yeah. And there's two things that you like. Why? Why, why? throw your vote away? I'm just thinking about why you would do it. Why would you fucking <laughs> do oh, it? You're, you're thinking about it live on air as the host. Yeah. You're silently thinking about it. Cool. I'm well, sorry. You know, and I'll that I thought we had a contemplative, reflective show. I was then going to have to choose between the other two, yes. and I didn't feel like doing that. Sophie's so choice. That was also a big part of it. Uh, Breath of the Wild is what helped adult me get back into video games. So it was harder than I thought, but I would also say no. Not that it matters. Though that'd be hilarious after you yeah. do <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Next up is, hey, you better call Saul, Greg. Yeah, um, it, it's the perfect solution to something we whine about incessantly. <laughs> Will this is, stop the whining? It won't. Which no, is but. that <laughs> we ask some of our friends with different tastes to be on our show to balance out and then <laughs> get so violently angry when they don't like everything that we like. But this show is, is very important to us and would have been probably the TV show of the year every Five year it was on. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it feels good to get it in the hall. Ryan? I, uh, by the way, before I vote, I took a little straw poll at a party that I was at the other day, and it seems like that the girls, the other three that make up the six of us, uh, don't hate Barry or Succession. Like, they do Better Call Saul. So, I, we thought it was, like, uh, dark shows with adult Men. themes. Yeah. Uh, it was very specifically Better Call Saul, but yes, it's absolutely in. And also, I think it's it's getting tired of our shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, you know, it might like be more about us than about the themselves show. themselves out, but now it's just, like... Okay, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and we don't. <laughs> Better Call Saul is in the Pop Filter Hall of Fame, and a life-size bust will be sent to the home addresses of each one of those women. Because we will never shut the fuck <laughs> up. We'll never do it. <laughs> and finally, the Gigi Allen of our generation, Greta G. Gerwig. Ryan? Honestly, like, did anybody Tina Fey this? Greg, did you check the bus, like... I checked. You did? Uh, but I also checked Tina Fey once. No, the three of us. Like I remember, I distinctly remember you two seeing Little Women on Christmas, like as soon as fucking possible. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, Holding hands and skipping. And I think I saw it like two days later and still felt so left out because of the <laughs> amount of like tears you shared and stories you told. Um, I uh, like, and uh, me being such a bomba guy, like I was already in because of her incredible performances, but now a titan of filmmaking as well. I cannot believe she's already in, of course, Greta Gerwig. Gigi Allen, as we call her, I guess. Greg? You know, it would be funny. No. uh, (laughs) Yeah, this is a a big part of the reason why I did not vote for Zelda so that I could um, 
say my vote for her. Yeah, we're just so enthusiastic about her, and that's really what the Hall of Fame is for us, and that's why Zelda didn't make it, because I have that, Mike has that to some degree, and Ryan, you just don't, but we genuinely, all three of us, we've been like... We've been getting rowdy about the Barbie movie now for like three years. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, it would just be so disingenuous not to put her in the Hall of Fame. And honestly, like, it's so interesting that we're talking about Lynn Ramsey and uh, Kelly Reichert has come up tonight, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, just these directors who are like, how do you recommend? You know, like, how, what exactly yeah, do you say right. before you recommend? And for her, you say nothing. You're just like, no, this she makes the best movies but also four quadrant films at the same yeah. time which is just very rare seemingly I, I know there's a lot of effort but it feels effortless like it yeah. is so artistic how she threads that needle attention to the micro and the macro right like you know ever like there's no throwaway lines and right there's all, all, the, all the requisite big scenes because <laughs> his vote got in your class of Marvin Collar, Pop Filter Hall of Fame, is Better Call Saul and Greta Gerwig. And Cranberries. And, and of course, <laughs> Cranberries. Cranberries. Thanks, folks. I don't, I don't know why they're laughing. We mean it. They're fucking in, man. They're in. The bust has been built. We're going to take the quickest breaks, and when we come back, wrap up our Marvin Collar conversation. Well, that is very, very funny. Or very sad. And perhaps now you have something to think about. Or very problematic, and perhaps we have something to think about. But in any event, I'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to. So why not check us out on the social media? You can go to Instagram or Twitter and find us at YourPopFilter. Email contacts at YourPopFilter. Hey, everybody. Keep watching them movies. Taste buds. Is Morvan Collar more than just a biopic? Of a fictional person, not unlike Tar? What can a story about a female grocery store clerk tell us things about class and gender and truth? And truth. Um, I think we've hit a lot on this just... And this is why I love this movie. One of the reasons I love this movie is when we were forced to put together the pieces of what we think her and her uh, dead boyfriend's relationship was... Mm-hmm. All of that is just doing it, right? Like, yeah. I think that th- there's no, there's no like, um, evil man that I can think of in this movie. Mustache twirling, let's say. But yeah, nobody's tying anybody to train tracks. You just feel that, you know, she's constantly put in a position of being objectified and she's constantly put in a position of, I'll make your choices for you. And, uh, it's just, uh, we have to do that trying to figure out her past. Yeah, and I I think that there's a way that she interacts with the world that is like the movie's almost prescient about, you know, um, that the distance between her and the things going on immediately around her, you know, like there's a they go to a party the like the night her her boyfriend takes his life, and there's like some sort of sex scene, and it's so unclear exactly what happens in that mm. sex scene, and I think that that like that distance is a distance that she experiences too. That like, it's, she's not even totally sure. She's not totally sure what drugs she's taking and she's not totally sure where she's going. And that lost sort of aimlessness, um, just, I think is very prescient about like what's happening as we become more and more alienated from the world, as there's less of the world left to 
average people, as it's all being like snapped up, snatched up, basically, we're left with only the reality of how awful it's become or some sort of attempt to escape that reality. And then it doesn't work because that dogs us everywhere we go and we just run faster and faster and try to stay one step ahead of that realization. But we can't. Yeah, because, I mean, she's, Morbin Collar's always being chased by Morbin Collar, right? Like, the thoughts in her head and, like, her constant Once you, like, thinking. grab that cab and they go into the sepia tone wow. world and they drive up into the mountains with, like, the Basque people or whatever, like, she is clearly like, okay, my thoughts found me here. We got to get to the next place. And then right. it's, like, just walking down a dirt road, like. <laughs> she lives her life as if she's born. Wow. Jason Bourne, like, uh, the, you know, the, the bad guys are catching wow. me, but the bad guys are all her fucking thoughts and it's like watching the cycle of uh lana lana is aimless and that's sort of like her choice or her dna or like that's just how she's wired she just sort of like loves this life morvern is so scared of that or doesn't want to be that wants more than that which then leaves her aimless you know and then you just watch the two of them do this dance but uh, ultimately one is happy one is sad I mean, think of how quickly Lana confesses, really. Like, in yeah. the course of the movie, Lana is, like, dogged by what she's done. But it's, like, three scenes where you can see it. Like, it preoccupies her. You know, like, he left me. Oh, what, did he say anything about me? Right. Or, like, yeah. let's go look on his computer to see if there's anything about me on that. We were pals. But, yeah, you know, we were pals. But um, she does confess rather than just always trying to escape from it. And that does seem to leave her in a, a better place which is crazy to someone like Morvern. like i'll bitch i'll fucking steal a book and i'll sell <laughs> yeah. it and you have to we're in this intimate bed moment and you have to confess like these are two very your close fucking mouth shut <laughs> yeah these are two very close but directly opposite people and because how wow. often is it like your duty is to lie to the please that, that booty you love the most <laughs> That, you know, to protect people, we sometimes feel like what we have to do is lie to them. And, but really, that, like, eats us up and keeps us from having a genuine existence. And, and so we need the music to be louder and louder. I don't think Morvan is lying to protect Lana. Morvan's lying to protect... Like, everything is real if Morvan says any of it out loud. Yeah. So she just keeps that shit on lock. And it's funny how she gets close to... Like, there's a couple times where she begins to say it. And mm-hmm. even as she's saying it, She's like starts to lie about it and change the truth. She just absolutely cannot get herself to actually form the real words. I mean, is this like a is this an admirable or is this like a true friendship of women on film? Like is this something that I, I think it is a true friendship for these women on film. I don't think it's admirable at all, and I don't think you could say this is how all women are friends. But this feels real and lived in. Yeah, yeah. And I would say they enjoy like an admirable intimacy with each other. There's also the lies. I mean, I, I think what the, the point is, is that relationships are exceptionally complex landscapes and that you're not going to have a clean or purely anything what? relationship. But they're, you know, they're being with each other and clinging to each other like really does seem like to be a genuine comfort to them genuine is probably the word that i'm looking for because we always talk about how boys have all of these movies whether it's lethal weapon or super bad and girls have fewer and when a lot of their the movies are like 
the women are cutting each other or trying to climb over each other or that's typically what they get. Mm-hmm. There, There is a lot of genuineness in this relationship, even right. though both characters and the relationship itself are complicated. Yeah, and that, that, that's what makes it like real and a compelling movie is that how flawed they are. And I think something, I don't know if we've really touched on it, because of their age, their early 20s, this makes sense is I could see flash forward 10 years that lana also is no longer into this party life more for various reasons is just getting over it quicker and wants something more and that pushes you away which is really hard arguably harder than her boyfriend killing himself is this this closest relationship is dissolving because morvin doesn't want this life anymore getting yeah but like i don't i don't know if she's maturing i think that she's sort of in her head and thinks that it should be a Drew Barrymore movie, not a Samantha Morton, Morton movie. Mm. You know, like I, I, I think that she, in a lot of ways, Lana's more mature because she's accepted the world around her. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, but what, I think that's a big happened? part of maturing sometimes though, is you think you are when you're clearly not and taking that next leap, even though she's doing it in lies and deceit and just doesn't want this anymore. Does Morvern leave this movie off to go to go build a life, or is she going to burn through this hundred thousand? Oh my god, it's so gone! Oh, yeah. It's so it's gone. gone. So Re- like, she doesn't really like enjoy any sort of like true like she's not really leaving the life behind, right? Because doesn't she takes the money and she goes right back to the rave in Spain, right? Mm-hmm. Like I mean, that's where we leave her. So she hasn't really left the life behind. She's like gone right back to it. Were you guys surprised that that rave in Spain was mainly on the plane? Ew. Why? Um, there's one scene that I want to talk about since we're on these two and it's as complicated as the relationship is. I do think that Lana is the only person that can make Morvern happy or find her in happy times. And I love the baking scene for a couple yeah. of reasons. One, mm. we watch a lot of the baking scene through that doorway that the dead body was in, right? Like a lot of it, uh, we see through the kitchen is blocked off so we can just like uh, Ramsey focuses right on what she wants us to focus on. Uh, they're covered in powder. Wow. Like they're, they're doing a classic, like, Oh, we're painting the room. Now I'm going to paint mm-hmm. your nose a little bit. Um, but then at the end, her hands start shaking and that handshaking is just like, Hey, Morver, no matter what your Morverness is going to pop up at some point, no matter how much wow. fun you're actually having. Like you can, we can, you can be with Lana and have a blast and like, you know like oh i've we're making cookies and whatever but it's going to pop up yeah she has some sort of condition because earlier in in the movie she's talking in a bar about how she couldn't get her leg to stop shaking so she's she's like developing some sort of tremor i i assumed it was a telltale heart kind of tremor Uh, of i I cannot stop shaking because i think it's things i'm doing so many thoughts are rushing through me i guess i took it to be the damage from partying you know, because like if you do a lot of party drugs like over a long time, it starts like punching out big parts of your brain. I so. just don't. I don't think that's this movie, though. I don't think it's a warning what? about this stuff. You know, I don't think that like. I don't think it's a warning. I think it is part of the repercussions of what she's been doing. I, it's part of what she turns away from. Part of the world that she turns her back on is the world where her body is actually, even though she's so young, starting to break down. You know, it, like that's the reality that she can't bear. Either way, it's it, it's a constant state of never finding happiness, but only finding things that never make me happy. And it's mm-hmm. it's like if that's the case, if that's just the cycle, then I don't. It, it, at a certain point, it doesn't feel like failed attempts of just like picking the wrong things 
that make you happy, but instead nothing will. Like you're just chasing wow. the you're going down the wrong path here. Well, that's the Wait. thing. I mean, does like at the root of all this is is that desire and want is the root of unhappiness, you know? And mm-hmm. that it, it since she, there will always be something to want, something to need to escape from. And if you can't like reckon with that, you'll always be imprisoned by it. And I mean, just based on what you just said, Greg, and the fact that we can watch this person carefully open up their Christmas presents with a dead body next to them, you know, <laughs> like this all connects in like this sort of thing of like, well, it's presents that I want, you know, it's the material things. And, but like the boyfriend was never part of it. And it like, I know that it sounds crazy. I know it sounds like American Psycho, but really it's just literalizing of the fact that like that wasn't making me happy. So why would it, why would the current situation make me sad? Right. Damn. Let's talk about, is, is there anything, I mean, we can see the class struggles. They can't get away out because they're in this small town. They're grocery clerks. But is the movie saying anything about class? I feel like it's hits much more truth versus lies and, and friendship and relationships and gender. I, I would say that Morburn was with the guy because it was a way out, maybe, more so than mm. being in love. I think it's... It, class completely delineates your existence so like what they know what they can hope to achieve what they can dream of where they go on vacation like where they what they think of as a lot of money um i mean when lana is told that morburn's taking her to that resort she is emotional like she has a breakdown yeah and it's like a little shitty party resort for like completely like drunken out of control teenagers basically but their like view of what is possible in the world is just completely constrained because they just when they when those book agents say a hundred thousand pounds to her she like almost gets sick at the table yeah uh, that was that like i have to <clears throat> i have to use the bathroom Will you yeah it's me? funny like... because it, the whole movie you're trying to figure out like is she extremely stupid or <laughs> like what is her intelligence level but when she does that that is a pretty clever crafty move because yeah. she's like okay i'm obviously going to give it up if i don't yeah. Get up and walk away. <laughs> She's like the uh, like after you drop the girl off at the date on the first date, and then you do the little dance outside the <laughs> outside of her house. I should go do this dance closer to the bathroom, away from these people. She asks if she can go to the bathroom. Yeah, that's the other thing like, too, may I be excused to go to the restroom? <laughs> it, that's also so like childish. And yeah. uh, what happens is going back to the drugs and alcohol is that the agents or the book representatives, whoever the publishers, <laughs> get so shit faced that they start to not notice. Like, yeah, th- th- she's just on their level when she's sober. <laughs> so they're like, oh, this is charming. Also, I have to say, I think that um, there are some writers who, if you encounter the person they are just like completely at a loss. Yeah. And you could never imagine that this could right. be the person who could write like that. I mean, we talked about how uh, yeah, all those movies that this movie is like, but like adaptation, you know, yes. I, th- I think that like these two movies fold in nicely together. Speed round. Which 2002 Samantha Morton would you rather hang out with? Morvan Collar or Morvan Precogger? More of a caller. <laughs> I, I think that her and I would get along famously. Yeah, I, it's got to be more of a caller because I don't want you to tell me what's going to happen in the future, but I don't mind if we both sit here and just totally ignore the past. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Elliot Smith over here writing songs. <laughs> the movie's tagline is not a young girl's strange erotic journey from Glasgow to Spain. Why not? Fucking 
I love these questions of yours, Mike. Why isn't this the real thing? I don't fucking know, dude. I I, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because the adventure is not super erotic. <laughs> it might be sexual, huh. but I don't know if it's erotic. Also, uh, Milan to Minsk. That's got yeah, feel. Dude. That's got a flow. Rochelle, Rochelle. <laughs> uh, those two things that you just said, uh, Scotland to Spain. No, that's got a flow. Yeah. All right, I'm wrong. Scott, well, Scotland to Spain does. Glasgow to Spain doesn't, or Glasgow to Madrid doesn't. Did watching this movie ever make you want to party like this again, or are we exclusively glad those days are dead, never this, to return? This movie, man, most movies, like if I ever catch a glimpse of MTV Spring Break or whatever from when I was a kid, <laughs> which I uh, desperately wanted to be at so bad, Yes. Uh, oh I like... I get hives like that's that seems terrible. Uh, this movie was like that. I I know. Get the fuck out of my house. Stop putting your cigarette butts into my glasses that I drink out of. Like, what yeah, are we doing here? Ugh. I'm so glad to never have to party like this ever again. But I always, as a young man, it was always my dream to be at a party where a chick would just like whip her shirt off, and that <laughs> happened several times in this. So I do have to say, not even I hook am- up with her just to see her take her shirt off. What's yes, dude? <laughs> but and and then here's where reality and I guess we live different lives than Morvan Collar did. Uh, I feel like if that happened, it would be you'd grab your friend and be like, "Hey, are you okay? We got to cover up. Like, what is yeah. going on with you? Like, you're <laughs> are you like, like a nervous breakdown." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's the thing that it's it, it, that's what the the movie is about a whole society of kids who are like having nervous breakdowns, like acting <sighs> so wild, yeah, and looking for just someone, some reality to come and impose itself. It's like America was on this giant rumspringer and now these kids are wanting it back to normal i would go up to the girl that was freaking out and be like hey are you okay because i am i have hives so (laughs) i'm not okay can we talk about me it's very clear that charlotte wells director of after sun has seen morvan collar do you remember okay i should say that sometimes uh we take listener questions. Do you remember when Mike kicked the best move of the year off on the bracket last year (laughs) did you ever explain that by the way yes you were i've on air, off air. But in this episode, no, did you explain it this it. episode? No, we haven't talked about After Sun this episode. Right. So why don't you explain it again? Uh, explain I to had, listeners what you did. I knew nothing about After Sun. You knew one thing. It was what I declared to be the best movie of the year. And I put Turning Red up against it in a fight, and Democracy <laughs> won. <laughs> <laughs> Holy Christ. I can't argue with that. What does Morvin want out of life? Yeah, that, I, think I, to, to, I think she wants to move on, and she thinks that she can do that without reconciling with where she's been. And I think that is the illusion of the 90s and early 2000s that we what? wanted, was that we could just start the new life without fully reckoning with our past and it just it just makes you crazier and crazier i think too that like uh, i don't know if we told the listeners but greg read the book i think she wants to be in a different book like why is it why am i in this book why am i in this movie? you know like we were talking about before why am i not in the drew barrymore movie like th- and that's what i think ramsey is so keen on like what she's cluing in it's like you guys want to watch a different movie i know that but you're gonna watch you watch this one you want to watch the one that morburn thinks she is a part of or wants I to mean, be a part of. I mean, she's not from Southern Whoa. California. She's from a Scottish port town. 
That and sucks, so man. It's just, there's not the glamour there that that. Uh, she's when it comes when it comes down to it, be from Southern California is my advice. Yes, uh, it worked out for all of us. <laughs> Near the beginning of the movie, Morvern sits at a train station. The phone rings. She answers it. Is the person on the other line the Morvan caller we've heard so much about? <laughs> yes. At what point did you realize the title was her name? <laughs> I feel like pretty early on they give that up. There's a guy halfway through the movie uh, who like doesn't understand her name. And I, yes. all I know is like this is a common Scottish name. Scottish first name, Scottish last name. I don't fucking know. And he's like, Morvan caller? Your name is Morvern? Yes. Caller? Yes. Morvern caller? Yes. <laughs> They're so rude at this like resort that they Why? go to. I guess because they have to deal with party kids all the time and the only yeah. way you can do that is just be rude to them. But like they don't do anything to make these people feel comfortable or happy. Why? As they should, party kids suck. I mean, <laughs> this is a resort where like you got there and you probably spent a lot of money getting there. That's cool, but it's like $19 a night to stay there and like we're going <laughs> to yeah. treat you like shit. We're gonna come in. We're gonna make you fucking take your top off and show your tits you're to everybody. Puke and do whatever you want and run. Throw shit off the balcony. We're gonna bust in your room at three in the morning and just cover you with a uh, fire extinguisher. Like we'll just <laughs> do that. Who? <laughs> what, what a monster! Could Morvin have done? I don't know. An ounce of research into the publishing industry? <laughs> no, because that would have involved like thinking about why she was doing it. And That's about, it's so oh, out of character. It's crazy. Yeah. And finally, it seems trite at this point to ask if something is a Christmas movie. <laughs> but in this case, we gotta ask, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? <laughs> Good one. I will say that to put is this a uh, Greg, is this book a Christmas book? Um you know, he 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 does it on Christmas, yeah, and she opens up the, the Christmas presents. Like they're so. so clearly fucking with us, like that they know that's gonna hurt so much at no point Christmas is lonely at no point is she like Santa must have done this right (laughs) Santa must have come early this year (laughs) Uh, are we even gonna get anything Mike do you think Die Hard is a Christmas movie yes I do too but I don't make my you know what thanks (laughs) I think Home Alone is a Die Hard movie (laughs) (laughs) Die Hard 4 Home Alone 1 that, which is a shitty score. That's a baseball team score. <laughs> well, it's a, an adult man playing racquetball against a little kid. Come on. We have to take the quickest breaks, and when we come back, it's award season. Taste Buds, can you believe that Morvan Collar was nominated for a lot of awards, but no Academy Awards? Was it like the Did Scottish Academy Awards? BAFTAs. Like the, the BAFTAs. The goddamn BAFTAs. The BAFTAs. Go take a BAFTA. You're smelly. That's what I say. Hop it in is. there together. Why not? <laughs> so we're going to give it a bunch of awards tonight, starting with most upsetting nudity. Greg. Yes. Um, so you hear that there's a lot of nudity in a movie, and you're like, oh, goody, this is going to be fun. <laughs> Hacha, cha, cha, like, cha. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> um, and this movie teaches you almost right away, like, no. <laughs> uh, but... You think you've seen the worst of it. Uh, when they get to this resort, part of what they do is they make like a couple go into this changing bag and then swap bathing suits. Um, and when they come out, 
even the guy looks like humiliated and he's just wearing uh, like a, a a girl's bathing suit but the girl who is now topless looks like she doesn't want to be any part of this at all kind of just staring off into space um and it's just it's just a real upsetting vibe this is the uh previously mentioned googly-eyed girl yeah this yes. is the ba- bathroom girl later we will see her and she's even worse off um but at this point she already seems like traumatized by the experience of coming to this party resort the number one draft pick nice. of college fuck fests is this girl that is a good nominee ryan what do you got i had to go with saw it off the bathtub uh she drags the corpse into the bathtub and puts on her underwear her lack of shirt and tapes on the walkman and uh it's just not a fun time and some mirror shades Oh, and the aviators, of course. Yeah. That's how you know it maybe is at least a little bit of a fun time. And those, those uh, glasses look good. Like, they're big and yeah. they're, like, they're sort of reddish bronze. I like the glasses. If we were doing a shopping spree, that fucking taped on Walkman would be my number one pick. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, for the imaginary shopping spree, you get that point. But that, yeah, that scene made me. And that's why this is different than Cringy's moment is it's supposed to do it and it worked. And we have to remember this is from the Maxim era too. So like it, it's got like the exact, it's got that culture in its crosshairs, you know? Mm-hmm. Best dude, Ryan. Uh, this is who I would nominate. <laughs> thanks, oh. thanks, buddy. Uh, best. This one was hard because uh, they are all, they have this tinge. Again, it's not painted with a broad brush, but it's, there's this tinge of, oh, they're all fucking awful. Mm-hmm. But I kept thinking about these two guys who were like, oh, uh, I knew you're German. I knew a guy in Germany. Mm-hmm. And he's clearly trying to think of a name so he can ask, uh, did you know this you know person? This <laughs> <laughs> but then all of a sudden, uh, the two girls run off with all of their booze and they're like, uh, vacation. Just let it happen. <laughs> Slappers, which is great European or... You know, British slang. Slappers. You slappers. Greg, best dude. Best dude. Um, For a while, I was like, is it this dead dude? Because at least he contributed something. But I'm going to go with crying guy. Um, She can't sleep in her room, and she's kind of like left Lana. And she just hears this guy absolutely sobbing. And she tracks him down, and his mom has died. Um, And she's like, to comfort you, do you want to hear about my foster mom's funeral? Uh, and then they start making out and she screams and cries for a little bit. Uh, but then he seems to like take a respectful distance for a while. And then finally they have sex. Um, and then he has to like head on out to go to his mom's funeral. But all in all, I felt like that was the most like kind of nice relationship between a man and a woman in the movie. But didn't he ghost her? She keeps calling back for him and he never answers. I guess. I don't know. It is. just something. Some guy. It did make me think, how come this never happens to me? And then I looked at him and I was like, oh, I don't look like skinny Brandon Routh. So that's probably why. <laughs> uh, between those two, what? I got to go crying boy. I Tom the agent, I know sucks, but so does his colleague. So <laughs> it's just their job that they suck. I don't, he he, he, he would have been mine. Cringiest moment. Greg. I'm going to go with the one that actually caused me to cringe, which is when swimsuit girl becomes bathroom girl. 
uh, Morvin Caller is like names. just watching this absolutely like comatose girl who seems so out of her mind uh, on drugs and just like in so much danger because no guy in a six mile radius is trustworthy at all because society doesn't demand that of them. Um, and just how creepy it is to watch her like face pressed up against this dirty bathroom wall and her eyes rolling in her head. And as Ryan pointed out earlier, you think Morvern's going to be like, I will save you because I'm the protagonist of this movie, even though it's not that type of movie. And she doesn't because nobody does. Um, and that just, that poor girl that's the last we ever see of her and so in a way it's like we never get any resolution one way or another about how she turns out did those eyes ever sure settle into the right place we'll never Dude, know you're still googling today i don't think so they google to this day <laughs> i'm gonna google the googling see if it's still going on who googles the and googling? we called it the googling <laughs> ryan what is your cringiest moment uh look i think that this person is basically only capable of masterpieces uh or near masterpieces i think that she is uh four for four but there's this thing that she keeps doing that i think is so it, it's happened in multiple versions of or multiple of her movies but still i'm gonna call it out here uh samantha morton is sad morvern caller is sad and so she's looking out of a window while it's raining and it's shot in such a way where the raindrops are her tears. And that needs to stop, folks. What are It looks like she's crying, Ryan. Oh, see, I okay. Never mind then. I didn't put that together. That's not cringy at all. That's one that's film. That's film, baby. <sighs> and yet she can't out. cry, Ryan. She's separated from her emotions by a thick pain of indifference. Oh, the pain. The pain is everywhere. The pain pain. Pound for pound performance, Ryan. I had Be this. brave, Ryan. Say something <laughs> iconoclastic. Do I, it, man. That's I, how you get points. It's, I was going to say Lana because uh, she's so Scottish. And in this movie <laughs> where she's Scottish, she says the word donkey. And <laughs> just <laughs> like Shrek would, she screams. She's wh- whispering. And then she says, donkey. Uh. <laughs> and it proves Shrek true. Uh, but no, this is. I texted you guys this week. Uh, could Samantha Morton win Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress? Moody's for the end of this year, and I do I think know. that's capable. And then I, I heard that neither was responded. Being like, what other movie was she in? And then when I realized it was um, Minority Report, I got so excited, but it was too late to like respond to what you. Oh said. yeah, no, no, don't text me back. That's not haunting me. <laughs> all night long. It took a long time to figure out what the hell you were talking about. Neither of us responded, and I assume Ryan just thought we were texting each other about what a fucking dingus he is. Okay. <laughs> I definitely. But to answer your question, yes. I definitely thought that you guys were texting each other about what a moron I was. It turns out you guys were uh, just sitting there stupid as fuck. So. No, I got it. Uh, I did not until I was making the website for our, our last episode. And when I uploaded the picture, I saw the picture I had used for the Minority Report webpage. And it was her face. And I was like, oh, that's Whoa. what he was talking about. <laughs> uh, she. This is. I, I like I don't have the list of movies in front of me. Like there there might be better best actress candidates, but like I said early early on in the show, uh don't make this movie without her. Like cancel if yeah. if she doesn't sign on then don't make the movie. Her face is uh, is a work of art in uh, it's a canvas in and of itself. Dude, it's a bummer. I learned one of the last things she did. She was the villain Alpha in late Walking, Walking Dead, Dead yeah. seasons. 
Oh, yeah, I remember that now. Yep. I, can see, I mean, I didn't know it then, but I can see it She with the shaved head. Yep. She's into that. She's like, I don't need a script. Shaved head, I'm in. Oh, head's already shaved, bro. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Greg, what is your pound for pound performance? Man, I just, I, I want to say something cool, um, but perhaps the truth is the coolest thing you can say, and maybe that's what the movie is really about. It has to be Samantha Morton. I feel like um, to watch her performance in this movie is to like know what acting really is supposed to be and how often we don't actually get to see it in movies. How, like, how many of our stars of acting have never one time ever delivered a performance anything in the ballpark of this <laughs> like the way she becomes uh, a, a character is just it must be upsetting to her like i mean it honestly it must be like a very mentally trying thing but she's so impressive and she's clearly the best actress of this season i mean there's no, there's nobody who, who did a better job there's no way she's not going to win best actress and i think um ryan might be right and that she might, might win Best Supporting Actress as well. This is... Uh, th- neither of these movies are her best performance of 2002. Jim well, Sheridan nice. made a movie called In America in 2002 about a family who uh, immigrates to America and tries to figure it out. And in that movie, she is... That's one of the best performances I've ever seen. So... Uh, O2 was her year. Yeah. It, like, that. That's quite the one, two, three punch. Uh, yeah, I guess... Finally, director's signature moment, Greg. All right. Um, The image of so many images from this movie would really stick out. But the one that really sticks out for me is um, of just her face when she's like looking at the computer screen and in the background, there's the Christmas tree. Um, And so like that shot and along with the accompanying like, the silence that after it gets so quiet, it starts getting loud again. And you just, you start noticing all the different sounds there are in a house. My house is like extremely loud. The more quiet it is, the louder it gets. Um, And that like really shallow focus of just her face. And then all the lights sort of blending into um, this like collage of lights that would kind of be echoed at several other points in the movie. But that's the one that really, like, that's the shot that I think is really the signature moment from the movie. That is a good one. Ryan, rebuttal. <laughs> How about agreement? Um, I'm going to, I guess the rebuttal would just be, or the addition would be just the red. You know, like, I think that, like, there's the sound of electricity throughout the entire movie. It's like uh, there's a neon light on behind you while you're watching the movie the entire time. Wow. And that is... Such the case, uh, so much the case too in um, the Walking Phoenix movie. In we need to talk about Kevin. Uh, it's just red. It's mostly red paint instead of red light. But I, I specifically think that in this movie and in her other movies, it's red light because that red light is a color and a sound and a a, a feel of warmth. You know, and it's I don't want to say anything as basic as like red means hate or red means love or you know, go towards the red because that red means hell. It's nothing like that, but there is still this like constant red light. The her face. Well, red is the light is not a comforting light, right? So exactly. it, 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 it's, it's annoying. like a representation of her thoughts that are always there. Please, right? like yeah. Red if light, if yeah. I'm Morvern, like please give me the uh, sleep goggles to put on. Mm-hmm. So the Christmas lights, the rave lights, the whatever. Like, I just want to go to fucking sleep, but instead, this is keeping me up and it's keeping me thinking. 
Those are the awards. Finally, we have recommendations. Ryan, if you liked Marvin Collar, what else should you watch? Uh, earlier in the show, Greg was talking about how in the bracket we have these special spots for movies that maybe aren't super seen. Um, this is a recommendation for, not for the audience so much, as just the three of us. Um, the other movie like that was called Talk to Her. We watched that movie. Woo! 25 years ago and we might <laughs> need to watch it again i recommend talk to her to all three of us this is a uh spanish movie by pedro almodovar about um two very different men in two similar situations taking care of women in comas this is a movie gentlemen that we have watched <laughs> does, does anybody remember it unfamiliar don't know it yes yes exciting interesting um and it's in a way, like a companion piece to to this movie. Like I think it really is a, a good recommendation because the there's like not Whoa. a bad man in this movie. There's a universe of bad men, right? And that's the same thing in uh, Talk to Her. And uh, I mean, like, there's Talk to Her has its own issues that you have to deal with about like watching terrible, terrible people. I'm not going to compare Morvern to the nurse from talk to her as you should not as i should not but uh just like this, this movie is complicated huh ah. that's a great rack greg what do you got i read the book morvern collar in in just the past couple of days and if you liked the movie i really do recommend <laughs> reading the book not because you get um because the way you don't get any more answers out of the book is interesting. The way that the book obscures um, the truth or obscures what's really going on with the character is different than the way the movie obscures what's going on with the character. But, like, I read the book, honestly, as a way to try to understand the character of Morgan mm -hmm. Collar a little bit better. And I was like, surely the book will make it clear. And the book is from her perspective and written in first person with some unusual slips into second person, which I'm not quite sure... Um, exactly what that is except i think it sort of points to how she disassociates but the book does not provide answers <laughs> it provides a different twist on the same questions it doesn't say why she makes these choices it just what you just ride along with her while she doesn't think about making these choices because instead she describes what the couch looks like in minute detail um or because she describes what her skincare routine is like in like bateman american psycho-esque attention to detail and it's just interesting to watch a how a different medium is able to capture the Whoa. same feeling and in, it's, in a slightly different way it sounds like having not read the book um incredible adaptation in that uh we don't really have a plot but what this did for books we're gonna do for movies you know we're gonna keep the spirit instead of the let's film every word line yeah line, honestly yeah. it's a great it's a great version of a of a of adapting a book into a screenplay because every change rather than like, why did they do that? It was like, yeah, that made that neater. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're going to have you a movie, that. you're going to have to make that choice right there. Yeah. Okay. I see why you would combine those two things into one thing. Like it's uh, a masterclass in that and uh, arriving the same point by a completely different trail, you know, like getting there a different way, but still getting there. Which means like, uh, not to go back to Zack Snyder and Watchmen, that means that you understood the book and made a movie yes. instead of, you typed down what you... You, like, looked at it and then remade it. <laughs> this is what it looked like to me, everybody. Did Lana say donkey in the book? Yeah, but she says it way more Shrek-like in the book. <laughs> 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 she really leans on it. 
Oh, eh. uh, a movie that kept ringing through my brain while watching this. It, it covers the complexities of female friendship and how just like society kind of sucks and smashes women down. Uh, and I think this is like four years ago at this point. Uh, never, rarely, sometimes, always. Oh, yes, dude, shit. Adam, you're so right. You're so uh, right. It, like it's muted in a way, and and still, and and very indie, and and very powerful. We don't have a perfect relationship, but if you leave me, I die. Yes. I uh, know. I'm telling that to you too right now. I didn't hear uh, what Mike <laughs> just said. No, Mike. I I wish I had remembered to to jot that one down because that is like I spent so much time thinking about that movie because. It's the same thing where you have to look at the main character's face and determine exactly mm-hmm. what she feels because she's not going to say and there's not she anybody never. who's going to pop up to tell you and she's reserved, but her face does do enough to where if you study it very closely, you can see what she's thinking and feeling. That and we think that we are two characters going on a journey. What we don't know is that what the screenwriter and director are going to do is explain all of life while they watch that journey. Mm-hmm. Is what those two movies haven't got. While a character looks out a window, <sighs> should we be looking out more windows to figure shit out? Guys, I don't never don't think about shit without looking out a window. And also, it's important that you take your glasses off and you bite one of the ear things. Now, Ryan, it's been raining around my house lately, and when I look out the window, sometimes oh, the water kind of runs down, and it's like as if I'm crying. Uh-huh. Is that okay or is that hack? I, Greg, real quick, um, those are your actual tears. That's not rain. Ah, okay. That's what I was going to say, because also I taste them, Yeah, and I hear myself and weeping. I, and I can feel them going down my cheekies. Yeah. But that's the rain, right? <laughs> now, this is a sad time, especially since one of you just said, if you leave me, I will die. Uh, but one of you has to win, and one of you has to leave, and hopefully not die. <laughs> Ryan, you got 64 points tonight. 64. 64. I got 64. Greg, you got 62 points. Ryan just scratched it out. <laughs> uh, I was hoping that you would make up Scottish slang right there on the spot, Mike. <laughs> Slapped it down. Sure. Flimmed the... Fl- nope. I, I can't. I can't. I can't. I'm not that clever. <laughs> it's so hard to make up slang, guys. How do we think Marvin Collar is going to do? Um. I- I think I think it's going to do pretty well. Sleeper? Yeah, Sleeper, Dark Horse. I mean, ultimately, Ryan at the top of the show said it's not going to capture that, like, everybody in 2002 can't stop talking about Morvan <laughs> Collar. Seven but, covers of Entertainment Weekly in a row have been showing off Morvan Collar. And so I guess I think that's going to keep it from actually winning, but mm. I think it's got a chance to really knock off you know, some big movies just because it's such an impressive artistic feat. How about this shit? How about this shit, you fucking assholes? Uh, did Come and See win? No. How often do we bring up Come and See? Yeah, all the all time. Yeah, definitely. Time. What if it's that impact instead? What if in the for future seasons we're like, oh, this is a fucking more of a caller car- thing, you know? Like, maybe that's yeah. better than winning because I think that's the sort of impact it had. I think it helped... The, the the social impact that it has, the, as limited as it is, probably hurts its chances. But right. that also helped its chances of smacking us in the fucking faces. And so I Facts. bet we bring this up. Nay on a hundred episodes. Yeah. I, I bet there's some uh, audience members out there like, yes, you've seen Come and See. We get we it. Get Shut it. the fuck up. And if all we did was pick the best movie, 
then I it would then have an, an amazing chance. Legit chance. And yeah. a, a ton but of Moody's, I, I feel like, are in order. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but it's this is the kind of thing where it's like only one movie wins, and so there has to be victories for some of the other movies, whether that's a bunch of Moody's or it just enters the show's sort of filmic lexicon. Right, exactly. They need their participation trophies or else they're going to whine. These millennial movies. I literally never got anything like a participation. You never participated enough to get a trophy. No, because I never (laughs) would. Because they would be like, Greg, get in there. And I'd be like, no, I'm not going to participate. If you participated in a system. But I never demanded them. (laughs) No, I mean, that's the the classic thing about them is that our boomer parents demanded that we get them and then give us shit for wanting them. Fucking boomers, man. Uh, That is it for Marvin Collar. Coming up this season is Catch Me If You Can and... Catch me if you can. Guys. Till then, keep watching that movie.